Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. is part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. As always, it is a pleasure to speak with you, but I'm going to be honest. Now, it's even more fun to be able to talk some Braves baseball than it usually is. The playoffs are finally here. Game one of the NLDS begins in just a few hours, and thankfully, when it comes to occasions like this, I'm able to enjoy having one of the great talents that is on the Battery Power Podcast Network join me. His name is Stephen Tolbert. You can find him at B underscore Outliers on Twitter. Stephen, how are you, sir? How excited are you that the playoffs are here once again? What's up, Sean? It's always good to be on with you, buddy. Yeah, it's, um, listen, this is the time of year that you live for when you're a baseball fan. You know, October baseball is just the greatest thing in the world. Um, I was, a, you know, I was not overly in love with expanding the playoffs. And I, even I have to admit that that last weekend with all those games and all those massive stakes was just a ton of fun to watch. And so obviously now the Braves get to jump into action. Um, we're right on the eve of the NLDS, obviously starting a, a five game series, hopefully a, or, you know, uh, at least or at the most five games against the Phillies. So it'll be a lot of fun. Um, obviously, we've got some news to get to before we jump into that. But, yeah, it's a really exciting time of the year. It absolutely is. And it may be because of the fact that, you know, we're still, you know, the, the, the pandemic itself was so recent. You know, it was so odd seeing that 2020 season where there were no fans in the stands. But you know, I think Braves fans probably have a, are a bit biased with just how special last year's run is. But last weekend, just this past week, it just reminded you how special the atmosphere of baseball stadiums are when it comes to playoff atmospheres. And I imagine Truist is going to be ready to show off once again why it's one of the best, if not the best, out there. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power podcast, the Road to Atlanta podcast, and Stephen Tolbert himself with Chris Willis on the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. Just hit that subscribe button. You can get the latest content when it comes to myself, Stephen, of the rest of the great crew here at the Battery Power Podcast Network. We've got plenty to talk about, but before we get to game one, Stephen alluded to it. Stephen, I think we've been a bit spoiled this year when it comes to, you know, those of us, Braves country in general, those of us who cover the Braves, cheer for the Braves, what have you. But we get spoiled because over the past two months, it seems like nearly every off day, major news for the Braves' future breaks. And that was the case on Monday. The Braves announced that they had agreed to yet another extension with Spencer Strider. This year, six years, 75 million. Stephen, I'll let you break it down a little bit more numbers-wise here in just a second. But I will say this, and we'll get a little bit more into detail in just a second. 
I will say this, this one, the Michael Harris one caught me off guard a bit, though it made sense. I'll be honest with you, Stephen, this one was a bit unexpected, but it, it's so exciting to see once again, the Braves are keeping what seems to be a big part of the core of their pitching staff moving forward. He's going to remain in Braves country, perhaps all the way through 2029. Yeah, this was this was one that was, you know, very different than the ones that we've seen in the past. You know, just this year we've seen obviously Matt Olson started it off this season with getting an extension right after he was traded to the team, and then we got right after the trade deadline we got the Austin Riley um, extension. I think you and I actually talked about that one um, after that happened, and then we got the the Michael Harris extension, and you know. Those, those are three cornerstone position players and, you know, position players are a lot easier to extend because, you know, the aging curve of position players is just a lot different than the aging curve of, of pitchers. And, and so you, you typically see position players extended at a rate that you just don't see with pitchers. And, you know, the Braves are a perfect example of that. Out of all of these extensions that, that Alex has done since he's been with the team, Today was the first time that we saw one of the young pitchers get that extension. And so it is a kind of a landmark day. We haven't seen the Braves do this with any of the pitchers. You know, Max Fried is still waiting on his. Cal Wright, you know, they, they've, they've signed some veteran guys, but they haven't really, you know, done one of these extensions for, for a pitcher. And so it was a big day. It's an exciting day. You know, my mind always immediately goes to, kind of the analytics of it and the, and does it make sense? Doesn't it make sense? And, and I, there is a time and a place for all that, but, you know, I think, I think the responsible thing to do is to start with the fact that, you know, if you're a Braves fan, this is just exciting. It's exciting to have somebody as talented as Spencer locked up for this long. I mean, you know, we're talking about at least, you know, six years, maybe seven years, um, you know, there's some stuff that, you you know, we're going to get to in a second about, you know, injury risk and things like that. But, you know, at the very at the very minimum, you have one of the most exciting and electric young pitchers to come to this organization in a long time locked up for, you know, for the next five, six years. And so I think we need to start with that, that it's just really exciting. It obviously is one more piece to the to the foundation of the team. Alex has done an incredible job of, of just locking this team up. Basically, I mean, it's it's I've never really seen anything like it. To be quite honest, a team that keeps on developing their own stars and then keeps on locking them up. That's the, I mean, a lot of teams develop stars, but very rarely do you see them locked up at the rate that the Braves are. So, you know, there there's definitely some ins and outs to this contract that we need to talk about, but. I think first and foremost, you know, it, you just have to be excited. I mean, it's a it's a really fun time to be a Braves fan. Absolutely. And you mentioned the fact that, that you know, you sh- the first thing you should be is excited. And, and you're absolutely correct. Now, it starts off with, you know, just in general, being able to know that, you know, potentially for what, the next seven years, you know, even a few years beyond it, the normal team control you get with the young player, we could have Strider in a Braves uniform. But for Strider specifically, Stephen, there's a couple of aspects that are so excited about him. Number one, let's be honest, he's one of the most must-see attractions on the mound in the majors 
right now. Like, we're not talking about the fact that he's impressive by rookie standards when it comes to strikeouts. We're talking about that he arguably was the best strikeout pitcher in the game this year among starters. He set the major league record for all rookies in major league history that have made at least 12 starts in a season. Spencer Strider's 13.8 strikeouts per nine innings was the best mark in major league baseball history. That's a lot of history that Spencer Strider is now at the top of the charts on. And the other thing that stands out about it is that it's a different aspect. It's a different element with Spencer Strider than other Braves pitchers when it comes to his strikeouts. As you mentioned, we've not seen a pitch a pitcher be able to strike batters out to the level that Strider has in a Braves uniform potentially ever. I can't remember someone. Maybe John Smoltz was up at that level, but you know, the only one that I could really compare it to is Craig Kimbrell, you know, and he was a closer. And that is so important in today's game, especially in the playoffs, where it's becoming more and more about the strikeout each year. But to your point, that's what's so exciting about Spencer Strider is that he takes it to another level when it comes to strikeouts. But also, he certainly showed a lot of maturity this year as the season progressed when it came to being a starting pitcher in general. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, the records that he's approaching and, and broke this year. I mean, there's been all sorts of articles written on all the stuff that he's accomplished. First pitcher in the history of baseball to strike out 200 hitters in an in, or in a year and, and give up less than 100 hits. Uh, you know, he's just been incredible. I mean, honestly, since the day he joined the rotation, which I think was right around June 1st or the end of March, or, or the end of May, excuse me. But since he's joined the rotation, he's basically been the best pitcher on the team and one of the two or three best pitchers in all of baseball. And, you know, if he had not gotten hurt right at the end there and cost him those last few starts, I still don't know how that rookie of the year race would have gone. You know, obviously he did get hurt, so it's almost certainly going to go to, to Harris, but, you know, had he continued at the rate that he was, he every, he absolutely could have won it. I mean, it was that close and he's been that good. And so, yeah, and like you said, the strikeouts are something that the Braves haven't really had a ton of in the rotation, at least not since really John Smoltz. And even Smoltz wasn't striking out guys at this level. I mean, he's, I don't know if people realize this or not, but he's striking out guys at like, a, you know, a Jacob deGrom level. I mean, he is just absurd with these, with the stuff that he has and the command has really come along really well. Uh, and so, yeah, he's just a weapon and, you know, I'm very interested to see what happens in the playoffs with him because if he's healthy and, and can just pitch like normal, then he is absolutely a weapon. But, um, yeah, it's I, I have some hesitations about the deal just based on the fact that he's a pitcher. But, uh, you know, his talent alone makes you excited about this contract. And speaking of the contract, let's break it down real quickly. The Braves agreed to a six-year, $75 million deal that will take Spencer Strider to the 2028 season. Now, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll let you address this in just a second. I believe since he's going to finish top three in the Rookie of the Year voting, I believe that that means that he would have had five years left, or naturally he would have had since this was his first year of eligibility. I'll let you speak, that, speak to that in just a second. But for the deal itself, the deal is $1 million for 2023 and 2024, $4 million in 2025, which would basically be his um, first arbitration year, I believe, um, $20 million in 2026, and then $22 million in 2027 and 2028. And then in 2029, 
the Braves have a $22 million club option and a $5 buyout. Now, basically, when you look at this deal, Stephen, the Braves are banking on Spencer Strider remaining similar to what he was this year throughout their cost-controlled portion of his career that he was going to have. Had he gone year to year, the Braves are structuring out this contract to make it seem as if he'll stay at this level, which we all hope that he will do. But I do think while there's plenty of reward, and he probably outpitches what he's going to earn over the next few years, there's also a bit of risk in his profile. Typically, when you see hard throwers at the size that Spencer Strider is, they may not necessarily have all the longevity in the world that you would normally see from workhorses that can work through their 20s and their 30s. We talk about this risk versus reward, Stephen. That argument may look a bit different when it comes to Spencer Strider compared to most pitchers. Yeah, so this, I mean, this part, it has to be said just because, you know, we want to cover this as, you know, as completely as we can. But the reason pitchers don't get extended at the rate that that position players do is that pitchers are just substantially uh, more risky than than position players are. And, you know, when when you're six feet tall at the most, that's probably pretty generous. It's probably more like 5'10 or 5'11". And you're not the biggest guy in the world and you throw as hard as he does, you know, not only are pitchers risky, but, but guys specifically with that profile are honestly even more risky than most, just because they don't really have the frame to, to sustain that type of velocity and stay healthy, you know, over a long career. And so this is by far the riskiest of the extensions. And that might sound weird since the Braves gave Austin Riley, $200 million, but, you know, Austin Riley's career arc is probably a lot more projectable than Spencer Strider's is. And, and that's, you know, that's what you worry about is that, and that's why the Braves don't typically extend pitchers is that oftentimes it actually is better to go year to year because even if they're great one year, you know, they pitchers just kind of lose it sometimes. And they, you know, Julio Tehran is a good example. Mike Miner is a good example. I mean, you hate to say it, but Mike Soroka might be a good example, too, of, of guys that look like they're going to be all world early in their careers. And then through injury or just through natural fall off or whatever, it just doesn't happen. And so when you guarantee a guy this much money and you're right, I mean, he 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 played on the 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 major league team all year anyway. So he was going to get a full year of service time no matter what. But because he was going to finish one, two in rookie of the year. Um, he would also have gotten a full year of service time had he not already uh, accrued it through just being on the team. So, yeah, this is essentially a, a plus one deal. You you had five years of service time left. You get a six year. And then on top of that, you get an option, a, 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 a team option for a seventh year potentially. And so there's quite a bit of control. It is a, a substantial amount of guaranteed money. It's 70 I think 77 million total in guaranteed money. Um, And so, you know, that's a lot of money. And if Spencer gets hurt or, you know, starts to break down or, you know, something happens and he can't maintain the velocity that he's had, you know, one of a million things that happens to pitchers, then this could definitely come back to bite the Braves. And so, and Alex talked about it when he, when he was talking today, um, when they were announcing it, that, you know, both sides took on a decent amount of risk here. Spencer took on risk because, you know, if he does stay healthy and he pitches at this level, then this is a major discount for the Braves. I mean, he, he could have earned a lot more money than this 
you know, if he stays healthy. But for the Braves' perspective, yeah, if if he gets hurt, and like we said, a lot of a lot of pitchers his size that throw as hard as he does do end up getting hurt, then you could be in a situation where you're you're on the hook for a lot of money and don't have a lot of production to show for it. So, you know, to cover this extension completely and objectively, it has to be said that there's a there's a decent amount of risk here. And, you know, when you're when you run one of these major league franchises, it's just like being the CEO of a corporation or the CFO of a corporation. You know, it's all about it's all about mitigating risk. It's all about risk management. And you know, these contracts are essentially just handing out risk. How much risk do you want to hand out? How much liability do you want to hand out? And, you know, the Braves handed out a decent amount of liability here. And they don't normally do that. They normally just kind of, you know, get players to sign deals that don't expose them that much. Um, but every once in a while, you, you have to you have to put some, you know, some skin in the game because the player might not want to sign that really, really, really team-friendly deal. They might you know, they might want you to have something on the table as well. And that's probably what happened here. So it, it is a good deal. Um, it can be a great deal, but it can also be a, a bad deal if if the entry luck doesn't go Spencer's way. So, you know, like we said, just to cover it completely, we need to at least point out that there is more risk involved here than most or pretty much all of the other extensions that they've done to this point. And I think it's an excellent, you know, a reference that you bring up Julio Tehran. I, I think that uh, um, he was the last guy that got this type of deal where I believe within either his first year of service time or right after he agreed to a six-year deal with the Braves basically to cost, you know, cover his cost-controlled uh, portion of, of his career. And 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 Strider and Tehran are of similar size. They're, they're different pitchers. Tehran, you know, was more of a, you know, he had the change up. But the thing that stood out about Tehran is that you know, as he aged, he, he had some velocity at the first of his career. That went away as time went on, and so did his effectiveness as a pitcher. I don't necessarily know if Strider's velocity is going to go away, but you do, as these innings start to log up, log, you know, year after year for guys this size, they probably do have to change the way that they pitch, and so it'll be interesting to see. But, Stephen, the other thing that stands out, and you mentioned this perfectly, you know, in our in the, in the uh, Better Power group chat that we have, is the fact is is that yes, you would love for Strider to be as effective as he was this year, seven eight years down the road. But at the end of the day, if he puts together similar seasons this year over the next two three four seasons, even if he maybe loses a bit of effectiveness as he gets late late into his twenties, there's a good chance over the next few seasons, uh, Strider could develop could deliver a lot of the value in this deal. You know, right off the bat, if he stays like he is, the Braves could benefit you know, over the next few years, and they could have one of the best starting pitchers in the game. Yeah. And that's, I mean, if you're a team, that's all you can ask for is that, is he going to be worth the value of the contract? And I said it in our group chat, but you know, Spencer's probably only one six win season away from, you know, pretty much covering up most of this contract or at least the, the risky years of the contract, you know, the, the first three years of this contractor, he's, he's really not making much money at all. It's really in the last three years that he's making the substantial money. But yeah, if he has one or two seasons, like he's already had this year, even if there's a decent sized drop off after that, like, you know, he's worth five wins this season. The Braves paid 700 K for it. 
So, I mean, th there's already a substantial amount of surplus value that the Braves have gotten out of Strider. If he has another season like he had this year, next year, and, and maybe stacks a couple of them, then yeah, he's already paid for the, the contract as a whole. And so everything you get after that is just a bonus. And that's, that's how teams justify stuff like this is, you know, you don't typically give pitchers this young that have an injury profile, this risky, this much money guaranteed. But, you know, if you're the Braves and you say, well, I honestly, I need like two more seasons of what he's done to already pay for the deal. Then like, all right, that that's probably worth the chance of, of buying out a couple of free agent years for pretty cheap. So you know, I get it. I get it from both sides. I get why Spencer did it. It's life-changing money, obviously. And I get why the Braves did it because, you know, there is a chance that it ends up being a really good deal for them, but you know, there's risk there. I mean, there just is, there's, there's risk with every pitcher. There's just no way to escape it. And the other thing that stands out to me, Stephen, is we, as we talk, Sean Coleman here with Stephen Tolbert discussing before we get into the game one breakdown, discussing the extension with Spencer Strider, the other really exciting thing about this is the fact that the Braves are going to have Strider for basically the rest of this decade as an option to utilize potentially in different ways in the playoffs when the value of strikeouts goes up. This is a weapon the Braves have not had before, and they just had a World Series win that came as a big result of their bullpen getting a lot of strikeouts. Steven, I know that you, for, for months now, have been very intrigued about what's the best way to use Strider in the playoffs. I agree with you that probably as a starter, seems like that he may line up to possibly face Aaron Nola in game three. But, you know, depending on where he is health-wise, say it comes tomorrow, say the Braves are in a good spot to go up 2-0. Kyle Wright's pitched a decent game. It's a close game. What if the Braves decided, hey, it would make sense to use him in relief, kind of like the Mariners did with George Kirby against the Blue Jays, does it make sense to utilize Strider perhaps in a bullpen role for this series if you have a chance to go up 2-0 and then you could put him in a starter role into the NLCS? Would you utilize him potentially in different ways or would you stick with him being a starter in one of the first three games if he's up for it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it comes down to health and the Braves are never going to reveal publicly exactly where he is on the timeline in terms of recovery and stuff. If, if they don't feel like he can give them a start, a full start, then yeah, I mean, you, it's better to use him in some way than, than not use him at all. But it is risky because, you know, let's say it's game two and Kyle Wright gives you a decent start and you're trying to bridge the back end of the bullpen or whatever, and you throw Spencer out there, then you've, you, you know, you, you've kind of used, you've used that bullet, right? You can only really, you can only really pull that trigger once. And so if you use him there, then you kind of burn him for potentially starting a game four, depending on how many pitches he throws, you know, he could come back obviously early, but it is kind of tricky. And I, I don't, the back of the Braves bullpen has been so good lately that I don't, it's, uh, Chris and I talked about this, or no, it was Eric and I, Chris was out sick, but it was Eric and I talking about this on our last show, but um, I don't, the back of the bullpen has been so good lately and everybody's got kind of established roles and the Bra the Braves have five or six guys that they really, really trust kind of like last year. I don't, I don't know if I would just upset that by adding another piece in there while also kind of burning one of your starters. You know, if the bullpen was really struggling or if they didn't have enough pieces to cover the innings, I, I might consider it more, but if it's my call and it's not my call, obviously, but if it was my call, I would, I would say, we're going to use him one of two ways. We're just going to use him as a traditional starter, like he's been doing all year, or 
we're going to use him as a starter that only goes through the lineup maybe one time just to kind of preserve his arm and and if he's not built all the way back up i i don't think i would i don't think i would put him in the pen um but they could i mean it's the playoffs like you said george kirby just closed the game for the the mariners and obviously that you know the wild card round is a, is a whole nother animal than, than being in a five game series but you know, weird things happen. Adam Ray, Adam Wainwright closed a, a World Series game for the Cardinals way back before he was, you know, Adam Wainwright. So weird stuff happens. Pitchers get used in all sorts of ways in the postseason. I wouldn't be shocked if they did it. If it was my call, I would leave him in the rotation. Um, and if he's not able to maybe give you a full game, then try to get like three innings out of him and then just go to your, you know, your really, really good bullpen. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. I think you bring up a great point. Don't, <laughs> why do anything to potentially jeopardize the effectiveness of what got you here. And, and you're right. What won the Braves of the division was how excellent their bullpen was, just like what, you know, played a big part in the World Series last year. So uh, you bring up a good point. And the, you know, further you can wait to use him, perhaps the more effective he can be. And that could prove to be huge, you know, if this game goes, you know, into games four and games five. But first, we need to focus on game one. And that's what me and Steven are going to focus on. Here in just a moment, my Max Freed, of course, on the mound for the Braves against Ranger Suarez for the Philadelphia Phillies in a matchup. When you look at the numbers, it's pretty amazing how similar both teams are when you consider who's on the mound and the lineups they'll be facing. Yeah, both teams have kind of feasted off left-handed pitching this year. Um, I think the Braves and the Phillies have like the fourth and maybe fourth and sixth best OPS against left-handed starters this year. So, and obviously with Ranger Suarez and Max Freed on the mound, both teams get to face a left-handed starter. So it'll be interesting. I, listen, playoff games are just so different. You know, everything in, in a regular season game at home with Max on the mound, I don't really care who the other pitcher is. I would just tell you, I am supremely confident the Braves are just going to win that game because that's, that's, how good Max has been the last few years, but, you know, playoff games are just, they're, they're a different animal and the Phillies are riding a hot streak of going into St. Louis and sweeping that wild card round and they feel good about themselves. And, you know, Ranger Suarez is really, really good. I don't know that he gets all the credit that he deserves given the other two guys in, in that rotation, but just go look at the numbers. I mean, Ranger Suarez is, is a fantastic starter and, He's given the Braves fits a couple of times this year, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, it's going to be a good series. The Phillies, I, I, Eric and I talked about this, but I, I actually would would have rather faced the Cardinals. I told Eric that I, I would have much rather faced the Cardinals than, than the Phillies because I, I have a lot of respect for the Phillies and their, their talent. And I think had the, the Phillies played in the central this year and the Cardinals had played in the East, I don't, I think those records would have been swapped and the Phillies would have 
won that division pretty easily. I mean, I, I, I think the Phillies are probably the fourth best team in the National League behind the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Mets. So um, I have a lot of respect for their team. I have a lot of respect for Wheeler and Nola. Um, and that lineup is no joke, man. You talk about Schwarber, Hoskins, Harper, Real Muto. Alec Baum has had a really good year, especially against lefties. Um, you know, Gene Segura seems like he gets 12 hits a series against the Braves. The Braves can't get that guy out. Like, they, they just – they have a much deeper lineup than I think some people realize. And, you know, they've got some bullpen pieces that are really strong. And, you know, when anytime you got to face Wheeler and Nola and Suarez in a short series, that's just going to be tough. And so game one is going to be massive. The Braves are extremely seasoned. They, they obviously have done this a lot over the last few years and especially last year. And so I don't think they'll be nervous. I, I don't think they'll be scared. It's just going to come down to making pitches and, and, and punishing mistakes. And, I talked about this a lot when the before the Mets series, but the thing the Braves do better than almost anybody is when they get a mistake, they hit it out of the ballpark. And that's what they're going to have to do again. It's going to have to be the same formula of, of really good pitching and, and then just mash homers when you get chances to. So um, I'm really excited for it. I'm, I'd be lying if I saying I, I wasn't a bit anxious for it because it's the playoffs and, you know, you know that you're one bad series away from your season being over, but, you know, that's what makes it great. That, that's what makes it so much fun. Absolutely. And looking at, you know, a few of the numbers here, you know, it, when I talk about the fact that, you know, it, it's kind of going to be a mirror image when it comes to who's on the mound for these teams versus who versus the lineups they'll be facing, you hit the nail on the head is the fact that the Braves and Phillies are arguably two of the five best major league teams when it comes to facing Southpaws this year. But the Southpaws that they're going to be facing are two of the most effective pitchers, regardless of what hand they use, in the majors when it comes to producing ground balls. Ranger Suarez had the fourth highest ground ball percentage among major league pitchers with 150 innings pitched this year. Max Freed, the eighth highest ground ball percentage. So we, we talk about the fact that the Braves are very good at, you know, making pitchers pay for mistakes. It's going to be hard to see many mistakes being made when you have two really good pitchers who do a very good job of making batters either make weak contact or put the ball on the ground. And Suarez has continued to do better against the Braves this season as the season went along. 29 total innings, over five starts this season. But, Stephen, here's the big key. In his first two starts, in the first 10 in or 11 innings that he faced the Braves this year, he gave up nine earned runs, two losses. In the last 19 innings, over his last three starts against the Braves, over the last 19 innings that he faced the Braves, only one earned run given up. So the Braves have had a hard time finding success against Suarez. And to be honest with you, when I look at these lineups, it looks like that it's going to be one of these setups to where, yes, you've got your normal guys you rely on at the top of the order. But to me, it seems like this is a game where maybe a big hit from a William Contreras or you know, likely a Robbie Grossman who will be starting in left one of those guys at the bottom of the Braves order or potentially a guy at the bottom of the Phillies order, a big hit from the bottom of either order could be the deciding factor in this game. Yeah, I mean, you know, who's going to be the the Eddie Rosario, right? Who's going to be the Jock Peterson? Who's going to be the Jorge Soler? I mean, guys that you maybe not pencil as the, the key to a series. I mean, just look at the Mets – Padres series that we just watched for the wildcard round. I don't think anybody had Trent Grisham as the guy to watch 
in that series. And, and he was the guy that just tormented the Mets for three games and, you know, basically was the biggest player on the field. And so that's the playoffs. That's the playoffs in a nutshell. I mean, guys just come out of nowhere. It's such a small sample. Baseball is it, what, what makes it fun is it's just so incredibly random and small samples. And, and that once you get to this time of year, literally anything can, anything can happen. Any player on the field can be the hero, can be the goat. I mean, they anything can happen, and so that's why you just you just got to hold on. I mean, there's really no there's no analytics. There, you know, there there's not. It's just hold on for dear life and hope that your team comes out on top. And that's what we did all of last year, and it worked out really well. I think the Braves do have a really good formula. Um, like I've said before, I think. You, you really need to be able to hit home runs in the postseason because it's, I mean, the Mets just found out the hard way. It's very hard to stack single after single after single against good pitching. And, you know, you need to be able to get a walk and, and pop a two-run homer and then just have that be two runs. And, and, you know, you're probably two more runs away from having enough to win the game. And, and, and then you got to have elite pitching. And that's what the Braves did so well last year is they just, their run prevention was absurd in October and that they're going to need it again. Having Spencer Strider back will help. Obviously having Max Fried will help. I would love to have a, a crisper version of Charlie Morton. Um, I would love to have a more experienced version of Kyle Wright, but you know, you get what you get and the Braves do have a deep bullpen and I'm almost certain they're going to use it very aggressively. Snit, you know, he famously does not use his bullpen aggressively in the season so that he can use it aggressively in the postseason. And I, I, I don't always agree with how conservatively he uses his bullpen in the season, but I do agree that the, the postseason is the time to be ultra aggressive. And I guarantee you, we're gonna see that. We're gonna see starters get taken out of games earlier than we did at any point in the regular season. And that's how it should be. That's, that's exactly what you want. So um, I'm really excited. The Phillies can absolutely win this series. I don't, I hope there's not Braves fans out here who think that just because the Braves won, you know, 15, 14 more games than the Phillies, that the Phillies have no chance. I, that's not how baseball works. And that's, that's not a really good read on how good this Phillies team is. So anybody can win it and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, obviously I hope the Braves win it, but I, I really, I'm just really excited that, that playoff baseball, Atlanta Braves playoff baseball is back. And to your point, one thing that stands out about the Phillies, yes, the Braves did, you know, have 14 more wins than the Phillies this year. But one key thing, and I know the Braves themselves are not at full, you know, form with, you know, Ozzie Albies being out with, with his injury and Spencer Strider just coming back from a late season injury. But one of the big reasons why the Phillies really didn't get going until the end of the year, they were missing key pieces. They were without Zach Wheeler at times. They were without... Um, um, Bryce Harper, obviously, and then he struggled coming back after breaking his wrist. They're now back for the first time in maybe half the season, maybe the first time since the summer, at being healthy. And that's why they're playing at the level that they are. But you talk about the fact that when it comes to playoff baseball, it, that big of a win difference during the regular season hardly matters. Because here's why, to me, an excellent performance from Max Reed, where he goes into the sixth or seventh inning, and winning game one is so key for this Braves team. Because after today's game, the home and home, the home field advantage, it's gone. You're two and two for the rest of the series. And in games two and games three, you could easily make the argument the Phillies have the upper hand when it comes to the starters. But if the Braves can win game one and they can get six or seven innings from Matt Spreed, 
get the job done with a few innings from their bullpen, then you've got the bullpen fresh and lined up to support the starting staff over games two and three. But I know that game one, obviously, in any series is important to win. But for the Braves in this one, I'm not saying they couldn't come back if they lose game one. But I think it's critical they get game one. And, and that's why I think they're going to be all in to get the job done tomorrow to support Freed or to, today to support Freed. Yeah. I mean, obviously, in a five-game series, there's there's no such thing as, a, as an unimportant game. So you, you absolutely need to win game one. Like you said, because of the fact that the Phillies had to throw Wheeler and Nola in the wild card round, you know, they don't get to pitch those guys do games two and three. But that means that very likely the, the Phillies have the advantage in games two and three because I think most people would pick Wheeler over Wright, you know, at least objectively. I know a lot of Braves fans would probably not do that, but I think objectively most people would put Wheeler over Wright, and I think most people would put um, Nola over Morton, although I guess we don't really know who's going to start that game. If it's Strider and he's healthy, I mean, I don't know. That's just a great That's just a great pitching matchup. I would honestly, if, if just – if everybody's healthy and pitching to their best, I think I would actually take Strider in that matchup. But we'll see. We'll see how they use him. He might not even be available. We don't. We don't actually know the answer to that yet. But yeah, it's going to be massive. Um, and and just remember, last year. I mean, last year's a Braves fan should know better than anybody. I mean, the Braves were an 88 win team, and the Dodgers were a 106 win team, or or whatever they were, 105 win team. You know, the Braves basically handed it to the Dodgers for six games. I mean, they, they just, they crushed them. And, and so it, it regular season record just means so little. It, it really, it really more important is how you're playing, how healthy you are. And the Phillies are, are as healthy as they've been all year. They're playing well. Um, so this is going to be a handful. I, I, I am not, I do not feel like the Braves have this in the bag by any stretch. This will be a test to, to beat these guys for, for three out of five games. So I'm looking forward to it, though. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. And there's going to be plenty of action to break down. Obviously, the game, 107 Eastern, 1207 Central Time, the first game starting off the division series round in the MLB playoffs. Eight teams left, you know, a year ago. You know, don't forget that a year ago, the Braves lost the first game against the Brewers in what was a pitchy matchup. But then after that, they came back and were, went 11-4 and four to be able to win the 2021 World Series. Hopefully, history will repeat itself, but this time, let's make it a bit easier and win game one. And there has to be a lot of confidence, but to Stephen's point, the Braves are going to have to be on the top of their game, taking advantage of opportunities. If they can get the lead early, if they can establish a lead early in this game, I really think that'll go a long way to give us Freed what he needs to be able to get it done, then obviously the bullpen, uh, the ability to close it out. Steven, do you have anything else for us? It's been great getting to talk with you. I know when we get to talk, it usually means a lot of exciting things are going on, and this time it's on multiple fronts. So always a pleasure talking with you, sir. Yeah, you too, Sean. I don't, I don't really have anything else to add. I think the rosters will probably drop. The Braves are kind of known for, for waiting to the last minute. So I think the rosters – will probably drop sometime in the morning uh, unless they drop while we're recording. I don't think they have. So um, just be looking out for that. Obviously the site we will have, I don't even know if wall to wall coverage says it. I mean, we will have these playoffs covered from every conceivable angle. We've got podcasts, we've got recaps, we've got previews. I mean, we've got an entire network. So check out the site. Obviously Chris does all of the, 
the quarterbacking there and, and, and being in charge of everything. It does a great job. So, yeah, check out the site, check out the network, and, and let's go win game one tomorrow. Absolutely. And to Stephen's point, the site, it's been up all day, a breakdown of the Phillies Braves series, an excellent in-depth breakdown from Brad uh, Rowland and Scott Coleman on the latest edition of the Battery Power Podcast. You can listen to that on you know wherever you get your podcasts. You also go to batterypower.com. What makes the Phillies such a powerful lineup? What makes their pitching staff even dangerous outside of Wheeler and Nola? How did the Braves have success towards the end of the year against the Phillies? All those breakdowns at batterypower.com plus more news on the Strider extension. Max Freed starts going into game one. Brian Snicker starts going into this playoff series. And of course, beyond batterypower.com, it doesn't get much better than the contributors to Battery Power when it comes to social media. I find myself all the time really, really enjoying the breakdowns from Stephen Tolbert at B underscore Outliers, Brad Rowland, Scott Coleman, Chris Willis, you know, Eric Cole, all the great contributors to the Battery Power Podcast Network. Follow all of them on Twitter. But, of course, you can find the Battery Power podcast, the Road to Atlanta podcast, the um, Daily Hammer, as well as the um, as the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com and at BatteryPowerSBN across all forms of social media. And to Stephen's point, there will be breakdowns after each game. Later on today, after game one, a breakdown. Game two, a breakdown. Stephen and I will be back later this week looking at the series as it shifts to Philadelphia. Make sure you enjoy all the great content at batterypower.com and make sure that you enjoy all the podcast network whenever you enjoy it. For Stephen Tolbert, my name's Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again soon here on The Daily Hammer. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts.